This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions. Today's big question, what is the greatest glory? We're asking today's big question to Gavin Peacock. Gavin was formerly a professional footballer who played in the English Premier League. He scored 135 goals for Queen's Park Rangers, Chelsea and Newcastle United, amongst others, in a career spanning over 600 games. He now works as an associate pastor at Calvary Grace Church of Calgary in Canada. And he's written several books, including A Greater Glory from Pitch to Pulpit, which is his story. And he joins me now, Gavin. Welcome to Bigger Questions. Great to be with you, Robert. Now, Gavin, you played professional football for multiple teams, including Newcastle and Chelsea. So when they play each other, who do you support? <laughs> yeah, that's always the one, isn't it? Um, it, it I'm, all, I'm always looking out for, for my old teams. And when they do play each other, uh, I tend to take a, a, a back seat and, uh, and I don't sort of show my favour for, for either one, really. I try and be <laughs> pretty di- diplomatic in that sense. Uh, my, my children, on the other hand, uh, my son was was born the summer I signed for for Chelsea, and my daughter was born in the time I was at Chelsea. So, so they have a particular favour for Chelsea. Right. Okay. But you hope for an entertaining draw, then, do you? Is that what you're sort of looking for? I think that that makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, it's great that you can join us today, Gavin. And to kick off bigger questions, we like to ask some smaller questions just to get us thinking. Today, we're asking Gavin Peacock about glory. So, Gavin, our smaller questions to do to you today is about glory. Now, there's just one question, and it's multiple choice. Okay. Now, in 2011, to commemorate the 20th season of the English Premier League, football correspondent Joe Lovejoy wrote a book reflecting on the first 20 years of the Premier League. What was the title of the book? Was it A, Glory, Goals and Grit? Was it B, Glory, Goals and Gentlemen? Was it C, Glory, Goals and Greed? Or was it D, Glory, Goals and Gavin? (laughs) I'm going for Glory, Goals and Grit, but I'm not sure. And Grit? Yeah. Well, it's it was close. The actually the actually answer was actually C, glory, goals, and greed. Great. So uh, I'm I'm sorry that that was not not obviously not the right answer. But you, you don't think that the glory glory goals and Gavin wasn't a bad title? Do you think? Do you reckon that you'd be happy to be featured in a book you know, commemorating the first twenty years of the Premier League? That would have been very nice. Yeah, I mean, I did. <laughs> I, I was involved in the in the early years of the Premier League. So when even when I joined Chelsea, it was. The Premier League was only a year old, so to see the change just in in my time was was huge. But uh, yeah, I'm sure it's an interesting book. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> sure. Well, anyway, Gavin. So the book title obviously talks about glory, and so glory, goals, and oh, it was greed was the particular yeah. title. But but it's really interesting that football is often associated with glory, and the book title had glory in it. There's a football team in Australia called the Perth Glory. Uh, there's a football magazine called Glory, uh, and it said that winning a cup or a title brings glory. So why do you think glory is so often associated or connected with football? Because uh, there is in everyone a, a desire for to experience glory, um, and sport uh, puts that on display vividly so. And you want to uh, experience it together with other people because it it, um, it elevates the experience of it when you share it with others. So hence, yeah. you know, support your team um, and you go to the stadium 
to watch the players and these are the focus of your attention and your adulation but ultimately you want to see them do something glorious that lifts you up and out of the ordinary uh, life yeah. that you that you lead and that you're made for something more than that and that, mm. that idea of, of glory it, it has in it um a sense of, of of value and intrinsic worth and weight that lasts and of course uh football can provide that thrill that glory that value that weight and and, and often in the in the in the uh sphere of victory as well overcoming mm. the odds um, yeah, yeah. And for us all, we, we, we desire to, to experience that. And, and even through other people sometimes, you know, it's like people talk about reflective glory. You know, people will hang out yeah. with some people because maybe they're very good at something and, and being their friend, you get a reflective glory for it. So it, it mm. sort of feels a desire in all human beings, a desire to have that corporate nature uh, and to see something big and beautiful and thrilling and true uh, and valuable uh, that lifts us up and out of ourselves. Mm. Mm. So there's something almost intrinsic to being human that there's, there's a desire for glory. Indeed, absolutely. Mm. So then football, again, is, is a place, the arena, where many people seek glory. So what's it like then, playing as a Premier League footballer, living this glorious life, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, it's a very uh, privileged job to have. You grow up and all the boys around you or many of the boys around you want to become professional football. Of course, now uh, girls football has become very big as well. So you've got lots of girls, you know, wanting to compete and in that sphere as well. So it's very highly competitive. Then to make it, just to make it to be a professional, it, you're beaten off tens of thousands of people. But then to stay there, uh, it is a very hard thing to do but when it's your job it is your job and mm. with it comes a lot of pressure it's not just going out to play for fun all the time so the pressure and responsibility side of things is a lot more weight to that but again even over my 18 year career and my father was a professional footballer before me for 17 yeah. years for Charlton Athletic it was just the only thing I ever thought about doing was following in his footsteps and uh, I would never have had it any other way to, to, to the privilege of playing 18 years and uh, not having any major injuries. I had a few, obviously, but nothing yeah. that stopped my career short uh, was superb. No, no. So was, maybe can you just dig down and explain and explore a bit more, uh, tell us a bit more about the pressure that mm. uh, Premier League footballers are under? Because it's something that, I mean, everyone aspires to this sort of lifestyle of playing professional football. So many people do. certainly was my dream as a, as a child. But... Unpack a bit more about what the pressure feels like and looks like. Yeah, there's the eliteness of it that adds to pressure. There's the money uh, that's involved in the game. There's the there's the size of the club, and then you also have your pressure from teammates around you because those teammates are your friends, but they're also competitors for your position. And so you know you are actually having to be friends with people, and yet trying to beat off three or four of those guys who want your position on the team. So there's pressure from your own teammates who will take your position on on a Saturday if you're not performing. Mm, mm. So obviously it's a very uh, challenging environment, then I suppose. It, it is, and and really, you know, professional footballers are just ordinary men uh, in an extraordinary world, um, mm. and you uh, you know. You're going into training, having been up at night with the baby, or not feeling very good with you know yourself health-wise that particular day, or, or a match day. Even I remember many times 
I, in fact, I would say that most professional footballers throughout their career will very rarely go into a, a, a game on a Saturday or midweek, whenever they're playing, feeling 100%. They're usually carrying injuries of some sort, minor injuries, or they just might not be feeling great. Mm. Now, Gavin, you played professional football for 18 years. What do mm-hmm. you think was your most glorious moment in football? That's a, that's a really good uh, question. I'm going to go for, if I can have two glorious moments, but one, <laughs> one to, to illustrate it in a kind of a, a negative sense and then one, uh, a very glorious moment would have been uh, when I scored uh, against uh, Manchester United at Stamford Bridge and I'd just been signed for Chelsea and we beat them 1-0 um, and I scored the goal. Uh, and, you know, you had Eric Cantona playing in that team and Ryan Giggs yeah. and Mark Hughes. And so to score the winner at Stamford Bridge, and I've only just joined Chelsea, uh, was a marvellous thing. And then we went on to beat them up at Old Trafford that season, beat them 1-0 again, and I scored. So that's, a, that's kind of a double glory. But anyway, um, the other glorious moment came a couple of seasons before that when I was playing for Newcastle United. And we were last game of the season, Leicester City away, Kevin Keegan was our manager and we needed a result to stay up in the old second division. If we'd lost, we would have gone down into the third division for the first Mm. time in Newcastle's history. So the pressure on that game uh, was absolutely immense. And Newcastle fans will tell you uh, that they look back at that moment as a pivotal moment because we won the game and I scored in that game. So that's a glorious moment personally. <laughs> the, the, we won it. The relief that came from not losing and getting the points was just a glorious moment because people look back and they that's pivotal. The next season with Kevin Keegan, we just blitzed the league and we got promotion to the Premier League. Um, so what a glorious moment that was, even just in avoiding relegation and staying mm. up. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great moment. It's, re- it's great to reflect on those uh, glory moments from your career. But uh, you may go back to that 1993-94 season when you scored those two goals for, for Chelsea and beat Manchester United twice. You also played them in the FA Cup final that year uh, and you hit the crossbar in the first half and the score was nil all. Now, Chelsea mm-hmm. went on to lose that game, unfortunately, 4-0. Yep. Have you, how many times have you re- replayed that moment in your head since <laughs> that time? Well, uh, when people remind me like this, <laughs> um, no, it, it is a moment because uh, we were playing really well. Uh, I would say we were on top in the in the first half. And then you just get a moment in the game. And, of course, I'd had that moment in two games during the season. And Glenn Hoddle, who was our manager, had said to me, you know, you might just get one moment in a game against a team like Manchester United. And if you get it, put it away. Well, my my goals scored against them in the league were, were actual chances. This was like 20, 25 yards out. And I just f- flicked the ball from my right foot onto my left and I struck it. And it was one of those moments you practice and practice and practice in training until it becomes second nature. And if you do it in a game, it's just the, it's the result of hours and hours and hours of kicking thousands of, of balls. And it, I just didn't even feel it leave my foot. It just flew. Uh, and I was watching it. It was as if everything went into slow motion. I'm watching big Peter Schmeichel in goal for Manchester United. Uh, I mean, it's 90,000 people in the stadium. And yet you feel the, you sense the anticipation. And yet it's in the background as it goes in slow motion. It was going over his head. He starts to dive. I know he's beaten. 
it's going to be 1-0, Peacock scores again, we'll have one hand on the cup, they'll just think it's not their year, and then smack, it hits the crossbar, and everything returns to normal, and they're on the counter-attack, and, and we go in at half-time, nil-nil. Uh, if that had gone in, I think it would have been a different story, because mm. our game plan, we could have stayed tight and, and compact, but what happened is the second half unfolded. We had two penalties given against us. The second was the killer penalty because it, it was outside the box. Uh, once they went 2-0 up, Eric Cantona scored both penalties. We then were chasing the game and they just hit us on the counter-attack a couple of times. Yeah. So Chelsea fans, and I say even, I've spoken to you know some Man U fans, they were saying that if that had gone in, it would have been a, a different story. Inches, you know, the fine line between success yeah. And, and it was so, so close to the ultimate glory there, I suppose, of the FA Cup. Yeah, the ultimate glory of, you know, so we're, you know, going up those stairs to the Royal Box, taking that trophy, the sign of victory, and, and turning to the Gia fans. Uh, we were going up first to receive our runners-up medals and then coming down as Manchester United players were going up. And Wembley in a cup final is, you, is only one, it's only for, for winners at the end of the day. It's a hard place mm. to walk across. Yeah, just because it's the harsh reality of professional football. That's that's where the, the, fi- the fine lines and there's fine margins between the two. Mm. Um, yeah. Now, there is a quote, the game only lasts for 90 minutes, but the glory lasts forever. How do you react to that? Do, do, you, do you find that motivating? Um, I find it slightly, I find it, uh, you know, a, a, a thrilling quote, um, but, but I don't think the glory does last forever in football. Mm. It's a temporary glory uh, for the players, for the fans, for the football club, because, you know, you, uh, you're always looking for the next and for the next, and you always hit a ceiling. And it's like that in anything in life. You know, there's a ceiling to the, to the glory. You achieve, you, you, you do something, then you've got to go on to the next thing. That feeling doesn't last. The experience doesn't last. It's there for a moment, and you live on it for a little while, and then it fades away. Um, so... Is slightly misleading that I, I agree. Yeah. You know, you can you you can achieve things in the game in life, and you you know glorious victories, and they're but they're all in the past. But you ask any of these you know great sportsmen, you know they're all ex sportsmen at one point, uh, and they look back and they're looking back on stuff, and 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 it hasn't lasted for them. They they look back to kind of regain something that they had in that moment, but it's never quite the same. So is glory elusive then? It's a, a very elusive because people are always seeking it and they're mm. seeking it in certain things. Uh, they're seeking that sense of interest. So if we think of, of glorious, uh, uh, to define it as, as a sense of intrinsic worth, uh, beauty, weight, value that lasts. That's what people want. They want it to last. And so everyone's seeking that sort of, uh, joy of glory in their lives uh, because you're made to, for that. So there's not, there's um, in one sense, there's a good thing about that because that's what we're made for in some sense. But but people often seek it in the wrong things that, that don't last. And then when they don't last, they're disappointed and they go on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And so sometimes that's, well, very much so, that's you can get addictions. You get addicted to trying to find something to give you a high. Of course, you know, let's say 
obviously say something like a, a drugs, um, that then becomes a high for a moment, doesn't last, and you have to go in search of it again and again and again. All of a sudden, you're addicted to it. That's a very vivid uh, portrayal of, of even, you know, addicted to searching that glory out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is there resonances there with your own personal story, Gavin? Because you, you played at the top, you achieved what many young boys aspire to, but you have been quoted as saying, football was my God as a youngster, but it didn't satisfy. I was mm. empty. So mm. what do you mean by that? Do you want to unpack, uh, how, how could football be empty? Like, you know, unpack that a bit more? Yeah, well, that's kind of what I'm getting at, really, as, as, as a young man, even, and I'm glad I discovered that as a young man. You know, I had the example of my father, uh, his career wanted to then follow in that footsteps, and then suddenly I achieved the goal, this glorious goal, this this thing that everyone uh, says will bring you uh, joy, uh, the, the the career, the adulation, uh, the the money, all of those things. And but because football, I I placed my all of my hope for uh, this kind of weight of glory that would last in football. If I played well, I was up. If I play bad, I was down. If I'm, I'm so up and down, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't last for long. It's not mm. ultimately satisfying. Um, and that's why you can look at many, um, many well-known footballers that have had all sorts of problems with, uh, you know, substance abuse and so on and so forth. Um, no, I wasn't, I wasn't at that stage, but I was thinking to myself, well, what is this then? What, you know, if football's not satisfying, what is life all about? Because football is the thing that everyone's telling me will give me this uh, this weight of glory and a sense of satisfaction that will last. And, and that's in that, I'm 18 years old at that time, and that's when I really began to question, you know, well, there's something good in this, we're made for this, like you and I have just discussed, but is, football itself is not even satisfying. What is more? There must be some more to life. And it was at that time that um, my mum just one Sunday evening said, oh, I'm just going to pop along to the local church. And I said, oh, I'll just keep you company. It was just a hundred metre walk down the road. And uh, I went to that church that night as an 18-year-old. I, The minister in there said, would you like to come to a youth group after? I said, I have that at my house. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll come along. I drove up that night in my Ford XR3i, which was a proper <laughs> 1980s sports car. Um, and I, get, I walked into that meeting. There's about seven or eight young people my own age there. And I had everything the world says was glorious. I had the career. I had the money. I had the car. I, had the, I was in the in crowd even, you know. Mm. They weren't. But when they spoke about Jesus Christ and when they prayed, there was a joy, a sense of glory they had that, that I didn't. And then I discovered, as the minister began to just talk from the Bible, that, yes, I was created by God, for God, but my biggest problem wasn't the approval of the crowd on a Saturday, uh, but that I needed to be in a right relationship with this God against whom I'd sinned, and yet through his great love had sent his own son, Jesus Christ, uh, to be a sacrifice for sinners such as me. And suddenly I became reoriented to my true purpose in life, is to live under God, to honour God, and the way back to God through his son, Jesus Christ. And then Christ became God and football fell into its right place. And it is in Christ that we find uh, the evidence of true glory and reflected in our own lives. That's when we get an eternal glory that, that never fades, uh, that lasts in this life and beyond. 
And so mm-hmm. with that in mind, with true glory in my sights, um, I could enjoy football for what it was and had a perspective on the glory of, of, of football in and around it that was almost pointing towards the greater glory uh, found in God and his son, Jesus Christ, and my relationship with them. Mm. So what was it particularly about Jesus that made you think this was for me, that this really uh, attracted me to it? There is no one like Jesus Christ. And, you know, I only mean, looked at other religions and every other so-called saviour. Uh, they, don't, they don't rise from the dead. You know, mm. they don't come down to save and rise again. The, the humility and love of Jesus Christ is quite unique, and so is the power and, and glory. Um, and so it was the uniqueness of Christ and the fact that he is the only one that can do the job of saving. He's the, the great substitute, if you like, that comes on the field of play when we're all struggling and heading for defeat and stands in our place, absorbs the punishment that we're due and then takes us with him through faith and repentance in him. And so mm. uh, it's a very uh, a glorious thing to think of the glory of what Jesus did in his sacrifice for sinners such as us. It's a, it's a beautiful picture of love, what true love is, what true power and wisdom is, and what we were truly made for, to actually be like him as we follow him. So did your life change after you made this uh, decision to follow Jesus? Yeah, it did. And, you know, I, mean, I didn't have any kind of like amazing, you know, visions from the sky or anything like that, but a, but a reality in my life that this was different now. As I say, perspective change. Christ is God, football's not God anymore. Motivation changed. I live now f- to, to honour God, to, if you say, like, glorify God, point to God in all that I do. Um, it's not a self-glory I'm seeking. It's a glory now. You see, we're talking about glory here. It's a glory that is found in someone else. And actually, we become more like uh, the thing that we glorify most. And so I could actually then live in the world of professional football with a really good grounding and perspective and yet enjoy just the common grace of actually having a wonderful career in sport uh, to be enjoyed and played with, with, uh, with determination. I mean, a lot of people think, you know, Oh, Christian footballer, will you, how can you love your enemy and, uh, <laughs> and play hard on the slot of the football? <laughs> and I'm saying, I play within the rules of the game because you should yeah. as a Christian honour the rules of the game in whatever you're doing and workplace or school or home. Um, but you can play hard within that. And if it demands a certain aggression within there, then you, you do. And I wanted to beat my opponents for sure. Mm. Uh, yeah. But I had a teammate who, when we lost that FA Cup final, they because it had meant everything to them, they had nothing beyond that in terms of any glory that they were going to see. They couldn't eat. I think he threw his runners-up medal in the River Thames. He couldn't even bear it. Uh, Whereas for me, it was very disappointing. Um, But it wasn't something that was going to break me because I had something beyond that. Mm. Now, Gavin, today's big question is about glory. And the Bible claims that God is the king of glory. In Psalm 2410, the psalmist writes, Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. So, Gavin, the King of Glory, it sounds a fairly egotistical title to give to someone. I mean, do you think the footballer could write a biography, the, the King of Glory? Because even Sir Alex Ferguson was never described as the King of Glory, even though he'd won more Premier League championships than anybody else. So what do you think makes the Bible describe God with such grandeur? 
because God is God and we're not. So the Bible talks about God in terms of he is other, he is He is holy, uh, and then there's everything else that God created. So that God's in a different class, if you like, uh, sweet yeah. generous, as it's called. And so that for God to glorify himself, to be called the king of glory, it's good. For us to call ourselves the king of glory is to have a God complex. For God to have a God complex, that's good. If he was to um, seek the ultimate glory in something else apart from himself, he'd be an idolater because he's actually seeking it in someone else that's not himself. So for God to seek his own glory, to be called the king of glory is a good thing. And that's good for us then because it orients us towards him and not towards ourselves or to created things. Uh, but to the creator himself, which is God. So that, in a nutshell, is why it is good and right for God to be called the king of glory. So what do you think makes God glorious? He didn't win a Premier League title or a FA Cup. God's glory is the public revelation of his holiness. His holiness is his intrinsic worth, beauty, his power, all of these things are intrinsic to, to God as creator. And when he shows that publicly, that is glory. So that the Bible says uh, in Isaiah 6, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So we see the glory of God in the creation, in his wisdom, in his power, in his beauty, in the way that he's created this beautiful world. And ultimately, we see his glory in the way he's created human beings, in his image, to reflect something of his glorious character in, in, in the way that we are called to represent him and to have a benevolent rule in the world and to show love towards one another. And ultimately, he's shown his glory in his own son, fully God and fully man, who is the perfect God-man. Uh, and, uh, and so that's the beauty of God's glory. And that's really ultimately what will only satisfy men when they look men and women when they look towards god's glory because it's the only glory that lasts it's the only glory that doesn't tarnish with time so gavin what is the greatest glory the greatest glory is beholding god in the face of jesus christ to know him as your lord and savior that is the greatest glory that a person can know and have and it's a glory that can never be taken away and that's you know, the greatest glory that, that, that I've been able to discover uh, through my faith. Um, so that, you know, I've recently written my own memoirs in a biography called A Greater Glory. Uh, and in it, I say there is, a, there is a greater glory in life than football, fame and fortune. It is the glory of knowing God through the face of Jesus Christ, seeing his glory and knowing that that is my destiny uh, too. Thank you very much. Well, let me leave you with some of the Bible's answer to the big question, what is the greatest glory from Psalm 2410? Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Many thanks to our guest today, Gavin Peacock. Thanks, Robert. Enjoy Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash bigger questions.